All right, everybody, welcome to Season 3, Episode 16 of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. As always, it's your guy, Bully Ryan, back at it again. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thanks for making me part of your day, presented by Anchor Podcasts. A reminder where you can find me on social media, on Twitter, search for at Tap Outs and TDs. On Facebook, just search at Tap Outs and Touchdowns and the email to the show Tapouts and touchdowns at gmail.com. Joining us on the show today once again is Tapouts and Touchdowns wrestling correspondent PJ Steven. PJ, how you doing today, bud? Pretty good. It's a good day today. Um, yeah, things are good, man. I can't wait to talk about this show. Uh, this is actually the first AEW show that we're doing, correct? That is correct. Uh, to give everybody a heads up today. PJ, Steven, and I are going to be going the all-out pay-per-view that took place a few weeks ago. Uh, we were trying to get back in the groove of it. We just had a show last week where we reviewed SummerSlam 2021, and now we are going to be reviewing our first AEW pay-per-view. So without further ado, let's get into it. PJ, you have any any uh, technical stats about about the show, where it took place, attendance, and all that stuff? But, you know, I do. Uh, this is actually the first, besides AEW's very first pay-per-view, this is the first pay-per-view of AEW that I watched uh, from start to finish. It's not that I wasn't into AEW. I just really haven't had a whole lot of time, to be honest, between watching New Japan and um, you know other things going on on the weekend, playing shows or whatever it may be. A lot of their pay-per-views were come on Saturdays, and Saturdays I'm, I'm always usually playing shows. Uh, so this is the first one I watched. Plus, of course, we had a lot of uh, rumored debuts that actually ended up being legit, which was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all, uh, AEW All Out took place September 5th. A couple of weeks ago, if you're just listening to this uh, podcast now, it'll be definitely over um, two or three weeks ago. Uh, it took place in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, uh, right near Chicago. It took place at the Now Arena, about uh, a little over 10,000 in the crowd. Uh, buy rate looked really good with about 220, uh, 220,000 uh, buy rate. Um, we had a lot of rumored going into this event about uh, who was going to debut, who was coming over uh, this forbidden door that we keep hearing coming from New Japan and coming from uh, the E, of course, um, <clears throat> when, their, when their contracts have been let go, and of course, Ring of Honor and, and Impact. But this was supposed to be a huge pay-per-view, and it really was. I think it delivered. Um, uh, Bully, you l- recently watched this like literally a couple minutes ago. First impressions, and we're going to get into the first couple of matches, but first impressions, man, did you not think this is one of the best pay-per-views we've had this year so i watched i caught when i when i went back and rewatched it i realized that i didn't miss much of the show um but it was definitely as far as an energy standpoint goes i know you and i were at or i I say you and i i know we already talked about SummerSlam, and, and i already mentioned the fact that i was in vegas and so the the atmosphere was was lights out it's it's nice to have the fans back being that they're in, I'm just going to call it Chicago. The energy was there the whole night. Uh, we'll get into it here in a minute, but it was the in-ring uh, return after seven years of not competing for CM Punk in his home state. Uh, so the energy here was fantastic. Uh, some of the action, uh, and, and again, we'll get into it here in a second. Some of the some of the matches uh, could have. We I feel like we could have done without. 
um, some of the, you know, not some of the greatest work here, uh, but nevertheless, as far as an overall show, uh, surprise standpoint, shock standpoint, something that, that we was missing from wrestling for a very long time. Uh, you know, we mentioned, uh, a matter of fact, I had a conversation a, a few days ago about when's the last time WWE was able to pull off a really big debut specifically on the main roster because they're always you know they, they typically whenever they bring in an indie star or, or something like that they would they would go to NXT so it was very rare that you would have a guy say like Samoa Joe debut on the main roster before a stint in NXT um, and we'd have to go back to the Royal Rumble in which AJ Styles debuted if we really want to be you know serious about it or even the return of Shane McMahon not long after that so um, so when it comes to that standpoint some of the matches were fantastic. Uh, there's a possible match of the year candidate on this card that we'll get into. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a candidate for pay-per-view of the year uh, so far. I mean, we're in September, so there's not much more time to kind of go and, and try to go above and beat this show. Uh, but definitely a pay-per-view of the year uh, nominee. Uh, I'll go totally ahead, agree. To- well, I was just going to say totally agree, and I agree with you saying, like, like, yeah, we really don't have that much more time for something big to happen here. Uh, I do think you have a match of the year candidate on here. We'll get into that, obviously. You know, I don't, I don't want to repeat your words, but damn, man, this pay-per-view was just incredible. There's only really one match that was like, you know, a throwaway match, but everything else, man, I- I'm telling you from start to finish was just so – just incredible. I loved watching every second of it. Uh, so question, I did not check the pre-show. Uh, so was there a, was there a quote unquote dark match to the pay-per-view uh, that I missed? And, and do you have any notes on that? If there was, so there was no dark match. Um, you had just one. Uh, now, are you talking about like a dark match where it wasn't uh, where it was not, advertised or excuse me not um not televised not, no not i was televised I'm sorry. i was thinking like you know aid or wwe normally has their pre-shows and they have one match on their pre-show like so the they did they did do a pre-show match so they did um they did the uh of a 10-man tag team match they were also going to do um the um uh, the 21 woman casino battle royal but they actually moved that to the main roster card, but yeah. you're yeah, your your ten man tag team match was uh, best friends, which of course is Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and uh, Wheeler Yuta, who uh, is taking over for Trent while he's recovering from injury, and Jurassic Express, who was Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, uh, of course with Marco Stunt, defeated uh, the Hardy Family Office, which is of course Matt Hardy, Private Party, uh, the Hybrid Two with Jack Evans, which I love Jack Evans, and uh, the Blade. Uh, ten man tag team match. It went nine minutes twenty five seconds. Not not crazy. It was a good match though. A lot of great got a lot of great spots. Anytime you have Orange Cassidy there, it's going to be a spot fest and it's going to be fun. Uh, I will say that Jungle Boy is one of the future champions. Not not only in AEW, could be in the E, could be of all time. But Jungle Boy, he's one of the futures. Definitely, definitely one of the people that's going to um, carry on into um, into you know maybe a decade from now. Uh, you know, before we move on to the main card, I do want to mention Chris Jericho gets a lot of credit for reinventing himself over the years. I'm not sure if Matt Hardy gets the credit for reinventing himself. I know he went from Hardy boys to Matt Hardy version 
what is it, 2.0, 2 whatever, whatever it was, um, or 2.1, whatever he did, uh, to doing his broken gimmick in what was known at that time as TNA, to bring the broken gimmick into WWE, uh, to now go and, and then eventually take that broken gimmick into AEW to now convert it into his uh, Hardy family office. I think if you had to look at innovators in the business, uh, Matt Hardy has found a way to make himself relevant the same way Chris Jericho has. And I'm not sure if he gets enough credit for it. So kudos to Matt Hardy. I might have to go back and watch this match on the, on the, the, the undercard, let's call it that. Uh, but before, but before I do that, let's go ahead and review all out 2021. The show started off, you know, with a bang. Uh, championship is on the line here. The TNT championship specifically. Eddie Kingston taking on Miro. Uh, PJ, why don't you give us your thoughts on the opening contest here between Eddie Kingston and Miro? So I love Miro calling himself, uh, you know, God's favorite champion or whatever. I, I love the Redeemer gimmick. I, it's so yeah, good. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Eddie Kingston does not impress me very much. Um, good, good talent. Uh, however, I don't uh, – a lot of people hold him on a big pedestal, and I, I just don't. Um, this is a great match, though. Um, I really had fun watching it. Great buildup. You went 13 minutes and 25 seconds. They got plenty of time here. Uh, of course, we have Miro defeating uh, Eddie Kingston by pinfall, and that was a great finish as well. Um, Hard-hitting match, man. It definitely kicked out the pay-per-view on a very positive uh, positive note. Some um, some uh, some spots here. Kingston battled back with a uh, say to a suplex before uh, uh, Miro was just striking him back and forth, firing back more of his own. And he focused a lot of attack on the uh, on his back, locked in the game over, and the the suspense of getting Kingston to reach that bottom rope was terrific. Um, you know, Miro turns into a DDT. Uh, while the ref's trying to reattach a turnbuckle pad, a little bit of Gaga there, but it wasn't enough to take away from the match. There was a a uh, spot on the outside where Miro caught Kingston, turned it into a power slam on the floor. Really good stuff there. So this is a great match. I really did enjoy it. And again, you know, it kicked out the pay-per-view to a heavy start. Uh, you hit everything that I said. I'm literally going to read my notes verbatim. Decent spot with the body slam counter on the outside by Miro to Kingston. Hit that point. Uh, what's really funny is uh, <laughs> you mentioned that Eddie Kingston doesn't impress you. I the folks at home aren't going to see it. I've got my notes out in front of me. I'm going to read out verbatim. I don't get the Kingston hype. I just, nothing about him wows me. <laughs> so literally <laughs> the exact same thing that you said. We are um, on same page tonight, my friend. Yep. And I, I know you mentioned uh, that there was a little gaga, but not too much to take from the match. I wrote down that Miro's supposed to be this monster, uh, but it took a low blow to set up the finish where he hits the super kick to beat Eddie Kingston. Uh, considering that we both feel the same way about Eddie Kingston for the reason the crowd loves him. Uh, you know, I don't want to take away from him because he does something that I don't think I could do uh, and more power to him for that. Uh, but I don't think a, a guy that looks like Nero should not be resorting to a low blow to beat a guy that looks like Eddie Kingston. And this is coming from a five foot seven overweight guy like myself. I gave this match two stars. Oh, you're not overweight. You've <laughs> lost a lot of weight. Well, nevertheless, I gave the match two stars. I, you mentioned it was it was hard hitting and there were some good, decent spots in the match, but I, I don't know. It didn't really it didn't really set with me uh, the finish specifically. And then I again, as, as a non Kingston, 
you know, we'll call myself a non-Kingston mark. I uh, just it wasn't as impressed with this match as some others were, but it's an entertaining match, and it was a title match to start off the show, so a good start here. Uh, next up on the card, uh, we've got John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. PJ, did I pronounce that name right? Yes, you did. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. So uh, I've got a few notes about this match. Um, I know you enjoyed this match. I know you're a fan of New Japan, so you would you're going to enjoy at least uh, the Satoshi part of it. Um, you know, I wrote down on my notes, there was a second straight match with machine gun chops. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, think of a knife set knife edge chop. If you obviously, if you're listening to the show, hopefully you're a wrestling fan. And it's just like a repeated <laughs> knife edge chop, like basically slapping somebody backhanded on the chest over and over again, very quickly. And I, I'll be honest, it doesn't, it, it looks dumb as hell to me. Um, <laughs> there was a spot in the match that actually cracked me up. Moxley would bite, uh, Satoshi and Satoshi would turn around and bite Moxley. Bite him back. Yeah, I wrote that down. And he legitimately gagged. Like, I don't know if Moxley smelled bad or if it just hit him the wrong way. But Satoshi gagged, and I about fell out of my chair laughing. Um, because even the announcers called it out. Like, oh, I guess he didn't taste all that good, Tony, or something like that. Um, you know, I, I don't want to surprise the ending because I want to I hear your thoughts on the match, too. Uh, I'll be honest, and I mentioned this to you before the show started. Uh, the match literally put me to sleep. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's Mox. Uh, I don't know. Um, there was a surprise at the end of this match that was honestly five-star worthy, uh, but the match not so much. It's another match that I gave two stars. PJ, what were your thoughts about the match, and, and why don't you tell us about the surprise at the end of this match? Yeah, this was just a such a good feel moment for someone like me who does just really love New Japan. Uh, the match wasn't that uh, exciting. It told a really good story, and I, I just want to throw a little bit of there. Um, I, I wrote down just a few of Kojima's achievements that he's done in his in wrestling, and I think that this kind of went under the radar to how great Kojima really is. Uh, he had a hell of a career in all, all Japan pro wrestling, winning the triple crown heavyweight championship twice, the world tag team champion three times. Um, he was in that, he was in the NWA winning the NWA world champion once and the NWA world tag team champion twice uh, or once rather uh, IWGP champion uh, heavyweight champion twice IWGP tag team champion seven times a never open weight six man tag team championship match twice two times one of them with Matt Seidel and Ricochet I think the other one was David Finley and, and Ricochet uh, he was a G1 climax winner in 2010 um, he was also rank number three of the top 500 in uh, PWI in 2005 and number I think like 278 or 276 in 2003. What I'm getting at is you had a Hall of Fame legend on this card and you had Mox just take him to fucking school. I didn't love that. I get why they I get why we're doing. And by the way, the match went uh the match went 12 minutes and 10 seconds. It went a little long. I would have shortened it. But the match itself was not bad. It told a great story. Um but let's get to the ending because the ending just really made my fucking life. Well, they did mention I, – I do want to say they did mention that he'd had a 30-year career. And to, oh, yeah. his, to his credit, I would have never guessed that he had been wrestling for 30 years because dude looks like he's in his 40s. Yeah. So yeah. so kudos to S Satoshi here. Uh, but, yeah, 
PJ is a new Japan mark. Let's hear your thoughts on the surprise. Uh, let's call it the surprise entrance here at the end of the match. It was an explosive. Uh, my wife and I have seen this entrance live, and it, it, it was just terrific. So being there, I'm sure, was just amazing. Uh, we get the debut of Minoru Suzuki from New Japan Pro Wrestling into um, AEW, and it was amazing. We got to hear his wonderful theme. We got to hear the crowd sing with it. It was uh, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous, man. I had so much fun and I marked out so hard and there wasn't a lot of people who knew who, who he was. I mean, I get it. You know, I mean, like he's very, um, and fairness, you, know, you don't really know, yeah, you know, fairness, if you don't know, you don't know. And his limit and my limited exposure to new Japan, especially in the most recent years, I know how old he is. And you talk about legends. Minoru Suzuki is a legend in Japan. And, uh, I've seen some of the stuff that he's done and even in his old age, this is a violent professional wrestler. Like, yes, they, don't, they don't pull punches. And so to see him come in, first of all, I'm disappointed that they've paired him with Mox. Same way with uh, Satoshi uh, Kojima here. Uh, but I was disappointed they're, they're, they're pairing him up with Mox. For whatever reason, I guess Mox is the pseudo New Japan, uh, what do you want to call him? Um, ambassador ambassador for for aew uh but yeah to your point uh minoru suzuki coming in here is a huge deal um and so for a guy like you i'm sure you you, you marked out as, as hard as you said you did yeah you know i love minoru suzuki ever since i played him in the tekken series you know he played you know he was king yeah that's i, I saw and, something and, um, too. and yeah. you know, I've been a Tekken fan forever too. And when I, you know, I would always be King. And then, you know, years later I find out that it's, um, you know, that Minoru Suzuki and I start looking at his shit and that's when I just fell in love. And one of his, fa my favorite matches is him at Wrestle Kingdom with, um, uh, Hiroki Goto in a hair, uh, hair versus hair match. Just great match, great stuff here. And hearing that together was great. They ended up having a match the next week on impact or <laughs> on impact uh, on the next week on um, um, the dynamite. dynamite dynamite. Excuse me. I wanted to say, I wanted, <laughs> to, say okay. Ram I wanted to say rampage. Uh, that was okay. But uh, God, I just love seeing him here. It was so fun and just incredible. Love it. I love Minoru Suzuki. Definitely one of my favorite wrestlers uh, of all time. And he's definitely one of my favorite guys in New Japan. Uh, and I look forward to seeing him now. He's teaming up with Lance Archer because they're in the same faction, Suzuki Gun. So it's only a matter of time before we get a tag team match between you know, Lance Archer and Suzuki versus probably John Moxley and, and somebody else, probably his buddy Eddie. I'm not sure. It's, it's funny you mentioned that because I believe they said it on Dynamite this week. I don't know if it's going to be on Rampage this coming Friday or next week. I forgot exactly what they're calling it, but AEW is doing a super show. And you were absolutely right. It will be Eddie Kingston and John Moxley uh, taking on Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki. Uh, they, well, brought, shit. they brought it out on Dynamite uh, this week which, or this past week, I should say, which would have been September 15th. Um, so, so yeah, you, even without being all that knowledgeable by AEW, you still called it. Uh, but nevertheless, <laughs> I'm right there with you. If you have not seen any of Minoru Suzuki in action, I would maybe Google and see if there's like a best of video on YouTube or something, because again, this guy's a legend and it's, it's, I don't want to call it funny, uh, but if you, uh, 
if if you are one of one of those people who have ever doubted realism of professional wrestling, watch some Minoru Suzuki and watch him beat the living shit out of people because that's what he does. Um, moving right along here, next up on the card, we get another championship match. This time it's the AEW Women's Championship. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, takes on undefeated Chris Statlander. Uh, PJ, I'm not sure how you how familiar you are with Chris Statlander, but I'm going to let you start us off. How'd you feel about the women's world title match here uh, on AEW All Out? You are giving me a lot of open area here, and I'm 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 all, I'm all for it. I'm I'm with it. So Chris Statlander um, and Britt Baker, they had a really good match. I did really enjoy it. You went 11 minutes and 25 seconds here. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of cool spots here. Um, you know, early attempt at the lockjaw. Um, I love Britt Baker's little little gimmick here as the dentist. It's 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 great. Uh, and it's, I, it's I funny. I don't mean to cut you off, but it's, it's funny because it's not a gimmick. She is a legit licensed dentist in the yes, United she is. States. You're absolutely right. She's she's no Isaac Yankum, but she's a dentist. No, um, <laughs> no Isaac Yankum. <laughs> The big red machine is not wrestling for the women's championship here in AEW. There's no, a real he's, he's just, he's just the mayor of Knoxville. Yep. Uh, you know, I love, I, lo- I wrote in my notes, a stat lander hits a huge, great modified Mikinoshi, uh, Mikinoshi, good God. Uh, Mikinoshi gri- driver. Uh, I still didn't pronounce You'll it right. You'll get it Taka, out. It's okay. Michinoku, Michinoku, excuse me. Michinoku driver uh, for an air fall. <laughs> great move. I love that move very much. Uh, she misses her area. Uh, Area 451 splash. I love that move as well. Um, another pendulum uh, moonsault that she misses from the uh, ring apron. A lot of risks that were taken here that were missing. Uh, great finish though. Uh, another gym. Another gym just to add to this uh, to this pay per view. I really really did enjoy it. Um, to those who don't know a whole lot about Chris Statlander, she used to work at Beyond Wrestling for a little while, which was really cool. And she worked for uh, God. What was it? What's it? A AAW AAW wrestling, I think is what it's called. And um, she is a really great worker, a hell of a wrestler and a, and a terrific talent. And she's very good looking as well. Uh, <laughs> I think she, and not that that really matters, but I think she'll really um, uh, come into her own and, and be a great asset to AAW. This match just really proved that she's got what it takes. Um, I love the, um, the spider crab submission. Baker's able to land a couple of kicks to the face to break the hole. We're really telling a good story with the submissions here. I, I kind of wish it would have been a submission match, um, a legitimate one, not the one with Edge and Rollins for WWE lied to me. Uh, if, you, <laughs> if, you, if, you missed, if you missed our last episode, go back into our archives and watch that when we talk about our SummerSlam and uh, you'll get that. But uh, yeah, great pay-per-view though. Or excuse me, a great, great match so far. It is a great pay-per-view, but great match so far. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the stuff you mentioned, I, I, I took note of myself. Um, I, I mentioned that one, you know, some of the normal women's matches we see in AEW were not as good as this match here. Um, but at the same time, we're not watching a, a Bailey, a Sasha Banks, a, a Becky and Natalia. Uh, we're not watching some of these people, but there's real potential and, and some real growth here by both Britt Baker and Chris Statlander. Uh, some decent spots throughout the match. I had a, there's a really decent pinning transition from for Britt Baker somewhere in the match. Um, there was some sloppy stuff as well. There was an awkward flatliner to the turnbu- turnbuckle uh, later in the match by Baker. And then there was an awkward superplex by Statlander. Uh, she was able to, to muscle it out. Uh, but it was still awkward nevertheless. Um, you know, going into this match, 
it's pretty clear to see that Britt Baker is the best women's wrestler in AEW. And so they've got the belt on the right person. And having said that, Statlander, again, despite some clunky spots, she's an athlete and she did some really impressive stuff here. You mentioned a lot of risk taking that didn't land for her, but it showed her athleticism and her ability and, and desire to take those risks. Um, and I'll have to admit, you mentioned it a second ago. Uh, I love uh, the lockjaw finisher by Britt Baker. I gave this match three stars, so I, I gave it a better better rating than Mox and better rating than the Miro match. So a really, really fun women's match here uh, on, on the card for the AEW Women's Championship. And, uh, you know, give some hope to the women's division here in AEW that, you know, maybe at some point we will see a submission match for the women's championship from the no longer undefeated Chris Statlander and, and a Britt Baker somewhere down the future. Uh, next up on the card, ooh, this is, if, if there's a match that you don't watch, uh, if you only watch one match on this card, I should say, this is the match to watch. If you don't watch an AEW match for the entire year of 2021, you need to find a way to get a hold of this match. The Agreed. AEW Tag Team Championship is on the line as the Young Bucks defend against the Lucha Bros. Uh, it, he's, they're calling him Penta El Cero Miedo and uh, Ray Phoenix. Uh, Pentagon Jr. here and his brother uh, Ray Phoenix are the Lucha Bros. They had a match about five years ago was their first time uh, they mentioned it on commentary. Um, that match was arguably a five-star match then. Uh, this match was a five-star match. I'm, I'm, before I even go into the notes that I've written down, it's uh, it, this is a five-star match. Uh, it's, it, you know, I did mention in the, in the, the Lucha Bros entrance I didn't. I guess they couldn't get Bad Bunny, so they got these guys. But uh, not terrible for a special <laughs> entrance here. They, they had some headdresses on, uh, some really exciting stuff to get the crowd going. I also wrote down that I really like the Young Bucks so much more as heels than as baby faces. Uh, so they've got it right here. Uh, you know, I've always been a very good note taker when it came to watching wrestling pay per views. The action is so high paced from the start that I did not even have time to keep up with the match and take notes. Yeah. Top notch tornado tag team action. I mean, I could talk about uh, some of the rope spots that they had where, you know, they were jumping off the ropes and, and throwing each other into the cage. There was a spot where Pentagon was, was, or Penta, if you want to call him that, was stuck between the cage and the ring and he caught it. Uh, some really good uh, heel heel moves by the by the Bucks. Um, most notably, uh, the they, they tried to rip the masks off of the Lucha Bros here. Uh, more specifically, I think they did it because they they had to they had to show the blood when it came, which was coming up next. As uh, their crony on the outside would throw the tool bag into the ring, and out comes a tennis shoe laced with thumbtacks on the bottom of it. And sure. that got that got some really good use in the match here. Um, I just again, it's and I, I, they mentioned they've seen it before. It was the first time I'd seen it, uh, and, and they were able to to get some some super kicks with it with the shoe with the thumbtacks. Uh, at, at some point, the Lucha Bros would get it off of him, and they would use it against the Young Bucks. Um, oh my God, I I you know we're not going to go through spots of the night because the spot of the night happened in this match, a Canadian destroyer took place off of the top rope as Pentagon, I believe it was Nick Jackson that took it 
Uh, Jesus Christ, if that's a fraction off, uh, we might see somebody die in this match. It was a, it was one of those moves that like had me oh, just about stand up out of my, out of my seat on my couch. Like that's how good it was. Um, you know, I'll let you talk about some more of the spots here. Uh, you can, you can give away the finish. Um, I did write down, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of really good matches over the last 10 years or so between new day and the Usos, the Usos put on clinics, uh, the new day puts on clinics. There's some really good tag teams uh, and really good tag team matches. We've seen even, uh, even, you know, you date back to something that doesn't get talked about a whole lot anymore. Uh, now known as FTR and uh, what was American Alpha, Jason Jordan, and I. I'm, oh, and the, and the revival, yeah. Yeah, uh, there was some really Jason good Jordan matches. and uh, Chad Gable. Chad Gable, thank you. There were some really good matches there. This may be the best tag team match of this generation. Like you can you can argue that you don't like the flippy stuff and the acrobatics and whatnot, but for what this match was supposed to be. There were, I mean, and, and sure, there were some, you know, as, as PJ likes to say, there was some gaga in the match. There were some silly moments in the match, but all in all, the story they told in this match and the physical beating they were able to put themselves through is some of the most mesmerizing things you'll ever see. And that's why I gave this match five stars, PJ. Uh, let's let's hear what you have to say. What do you have to add? Are there any spots that you want to mention? Uh, you know, how'd you feel about this AEW World Tag Team Championship match? There's really no effective way to recap this match in text or uh, or the way we're doing it. And you know, just go out of your way to watch it. I mean, it, so many great spots. Uh, you have uh, uh, Ray Phoenix coming off the cage with a crossbody. Lucha Brothers hitting a tandem driver to win the titles. It was a feel-good moment because you really had the Young Bucks just beating the shit out of Lucha pretty much the end, almost the entire match. Uh, very one-sided most of the match. It, it, it was it was just ridiculous. Uh, no, like you said, it was a, it was a fantastic showing again. We've seen what these guys have, have done in the past, uh, be it with each other or with others. Um, and so it was what a night to be able to show it off. It, it almost feels like if it wasn't for Kenny Omega and Christian Cage in the main event, uh, this match could have closed out the show and nobody would have had a complaint. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, and I'm still I'll, – I'll die on this hill, and I'm, I mean I will continue to be buried on this hill. But I think Young Bucks are one of the most overrated tag teams in this galaxy that being said they're also one of the most talented and they put on a great showing along the lucha brothers uh, yeah nothing we could say would give this would give it justice just just stop what you're doing pause this go watch it real quick to come back and finish the podcast we'll, we'll give you time we'll give you time we'll wait for you <laughs> i'm not sure uh and i'm probably not alone here uh but my first exposure to uh, the Young Bucks was in TNA when the Hardy Boys were there. When they came out as, I don't know if you remember this, Generation Me. <laughs> and they looked, I, I remember. they looked like a ripoff of the Hardy Boys. And for them to be able to come from that and to be one of the most popular, one of the most famous, albeit, you know, a lot of their stuff can be, you know, considered gymnastics. The flippy shit, as a lot of people like to call them, and that's where they might get that that you know coin phrase overrated. Uh, but at the same time, 
uh, these guys can they can entertain. They're entertainers, and and they they are are good at what they do. And this match was was absolutely no different. Uh, like like both PJ and I have said, go check out uh, this Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros for the AEW Tag Team Championships from All Out 2021. Next up on the card, and again, I'm not gonna we're not gonna go through our awards uh, or or you know whatever the case is at the end of the show because I'm gonna go through them as we as we go along here. Uh, we always have a PBO at the end of our show. Uh, where we decide what was our piss break opportunities. And I had two in this show, and this was one of them. We have the <laughs> Casino Battle Royal for a championship match against Dr. Britt Baker, who just retained her championship earlier in the show. Similar to a Royal Rumble, however, being that it's a Casino Battle Royal, you start off the match with, I believe, it was four or five co- competitors that they would draw or, or randomize a, uh, a deck of cards. And so you would get the next uh, suit. So it was diamonds and spades and clubs and whatever the case is. And then you had one joker at the end of the match. PJ, uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and take start us off here because it was my PBO. I actually, again, when I rewatched this uh, before the show today, um, I actually took this, this battle royal to, uh, to prepare myself some dinner here. Uh, so why don't you start us off and let us know how you felt about the match, if there were any spots. And then before we get to uh, towards the end, uh, let's turn it back over to me so I can I can reveal something here about a surprise entrant as the Joker here in the Battle Royal. Yeah, I mean, I don't see – I mean, I think it was – I thought it was a really good match. I would think it was a great showing of terrific talent. I think AEW has gotten – the E beat so hard on women talent on female talent that it, it it's just, it's not even fucking close. I mean, beating them like a drum, um, you know, look at the talent you had here. You know, he, uh, he caught Rushida, sky blue, Emmy Sakura, the bunny, uh, Anna J, Kiara Hogan, Kylan King, uh, Nyla Rose, Thunder Rosa, Riho, Jamie Hayter, big swole, Tay Conti, red velvet, Jay Cargill. You got rebel rebel, Rebel, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, we're going to have our big joker at the end. But I think it was a great showing of terrific talent. Yeah, nothing crazy happened uh, except for, you know, the joker. But um, it was a cool down spot. I mean, we, we can – of course it was. After that cage match and we're going into the next match after the Casino Battle Royal, which would be MJF and Jericho, yeah, you need a cool down spot. But this match was still just – I think it was on top, and um, I really enjoyed it. I didn't – you know, it went, I think it went about 22 minutes. Yeah, 22 minutes. Uh, you know, not too long. Um, they got in there, they got out. I really enjoyed it, actually. Yeah, you can't go, you can't really go too short when it comes to a battle royal. Otherwise, you're just letting people go in the ring and you're throwing them out immediately. Um, you mentioned a lot of names. I'll be honest with you. I, I Admittedly, I had no clue who 90% of those women were. Um, that's no knock against them. It's just, I guess, my need to get out of the women's wrestling in WWE uh, because that when I, when I think about the, the talent in, in women's wrestling, I think of the Bianca Belairs, the Lacey Evans, the Charlotte flares, as much as you hate to, to give her credit because I know how much yeah. you're a fan of hers. Um, I think of, of those women who put on uh, four and five star matches. Um, and, and so when I see specifically maybe tag team or, one-on-one women's matches in AEW. I'm never, I'm never really impressed, uh, but I, I was surprised they had so many women that was able to participate in this battle Royal. 
Um, you, you know I, the difference. You know the difference between uh, the E and AW when it comes to female talent. In my opinion, you know the you know the the old saying, quality and quantity. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So the E has quality. They have uh, not a lot of female talent, but what they do have, um, you know, your your main stars are really really great and terrific talented women. AEW has both. Not only do they have over 22 women, uh, just by that battle royal, by the way, um, that can work. All of them are quality stars. All of them are quality wrestlers. Well, hopefully we'll That's get the to difference. See, yeah, hopefully we'll get to see some improvement when you get them in the ring and tag team matches and singles matches because battle royal, you just get to showcase all those names that you've got. Um, right. You mentioned Sky Blue. I dug, I really dug her. I know she wasn't in the match that long. Uh, but man, and again, you mentioned uh, you mentioned um, Statlander being cute. I I really liked I really like Sky Blue. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna um, lie either. I'll let me some Sky Blue. There was a a, a, a woman here named uh, Abaden. That Abaden, yeah, was a she's got this zombie gimmick or something. I I wrote in my notes who the fuck is zombie Abaden chick? Like I had no idea who this chick was. Uh, I mean. Honestly, she could have been Sister Abigail in the E. Like, that's how, like, creepy this chick was. Uh, so good for her. I'd like to see if maybe they can turn that into something because as far as a gimmick alone, they might have something with her. I haven't seen her work, so we'll have to see where that goes. Um, PJ, maybe you can enlighten me. Is it Layla Hurst or Layla Hirsch that came in uh, looking like a little person Shayna Baszler? I don't, I don't know how to pronounce her name. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen to you. Well, you know exactly yeah, Layla, who I'm talking about, right? Yes, it's Layla Hirsch. Uh, she was um, um, – yeah, she's, she's relatively new. She actually uh, uh, made her debut um, in October of last year, I believe. Uh, she's also worked for NWA. Uh, she challenged Serena Deeb for the uh, NWA World, World Women's Championship. Um and yeah, yeah. So she, but yeah, she's, 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 she's a hell of a, a hell of a talent too. I think she, uh, she worked for ZZW for a little bit too. Well, um, I did, I, again, she very heavily reminded me of a little person, Shayna Baszler. I mean, a prettier Shayna Baszler and that's no knock on, you know, Shayna Baszler's looks, you know, it's going to come off sexist for two dudes here talking about women's wrestling. So, uh, who are we to judge? Um, but so it, I, I was I was going to mention too, like abandoned. Uh, she first got her start in uh, Rocky Rocky Mountain Pro, uh, which obviously just makes me think of the um, the. Um, I think Rocky Mountain. I think of Big Van Vader. Otherwise, I think uh, of Rocky Mountain Wrestling with like, if I'm not mistaken, like Jim Cornette. Is that is that who you're thinking about? No, uh, actually, I was looking. I was thinking about Joe Walsh, uh, okay. Rocky Mountain Way from the Eagles. However, all <laughs> of those examples are way better than what I was saying. <laughs> However, uh, she would be called the Living Dead Girl, and then we get to AEW. She makes her debut uh, March of last year, I believe, uh, where she wrestles Hikaru Shida, um, and she made her uh, Dynamite debut uh, June of last year. Uh, so I mean, like she's she's just coming up, but I think she's a hell of a talent already, uh, and I think she's got a great gimmick. So I I, I really like it. Yeah, I think again, you know, AEW's got got a, a bunch of different things when it comes to factions and gimmicks. I mean, you've got we already mentioned Miro, the 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 Redeemer. You've got Orange Cassidy's gimmick. You've got Darby Allen's gimmick that we'll get into later in the show. Um, so there, there's plenty of 
plenty of room to, to create some new stories. And I think uh, if, if a Baden can work, I think they can turn that into something that, that can be, uh, I, I don't know if you'd call it special, but it could definitely be something that can, that can turn into, um, you know, an angle, uh, you know, with, you know, anybody on the women's roster, just let's see where it goes, I suppose. Um, nevertheless, uh, we get towards the end of the match and I mentioned they go through the different, uh, the different card classes here. You got the diamonds, the hearts, and the, the you know, whatever, the, you know, go through them. You know how a deck of cards goes. And then we get to the Joker and we get the debut of the former Ruby Riot, recently released from WWE, is now in AEW as Ruby Soho, the last entrant into the Casino Battle Royal, would wind up finding herself in the uh, the last two, and she would take it all. And I found it hilarious that as soon as she as soon as she won, Jr. called her Ruby Riot, and then corrected himself right afterwards. It was just you know. <sighs> It's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I remember there was a promo that Big Bubba Rogers cut on Kurt Hennig in the NWO and called him Mr. Perfect on Monday Nitro. Like, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, but I still found it uh, hilarious nevertheless. Um, but Ruby Soho gets the win. I know PJ said he enjoyed this match. Um, it wasn't my favorite. Again, probably a lot had to do with my lack of knowledge from a lot of the people in the in the match. I, originally, I initially gave it one star, but, you know, Maybe PJ's talked me into it. I'm gonna give it two stars here for the casino battle royal. Do you are you are you familiar with what with who Ruby Soho is? Like what uh, that I, is? I know that I have uh, I, I did some like research on her when she when she first got released from WWE. Um, but I would love you. You're probably more well versed on it than I am. So why don't you go ahead and, and uh, educate our listeners? Well, the name. Ruby Soho comes from the rancid song Ruby Soho. That's her theme song that comes out now. That the destination. Oh no known. way! That's kind of Ruby, cool. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby Soho. So that's a rancid song. Who is a really great punk band? Who's actually going to be at Atlanta, uh, September twenty fifth. Free plug. With free plug there. They are not paying <laughs> me to do that. But yeah, uh, if you get the, you guys get the time. Look up rancid. Great punk band and their most popular song is probably Ruby Soho. So even hearing that when he she came out, I was like, ah, that's the song. You know, um, if it, but that's if where, it wasn't that's, their most popular song, it will be their most popular song now. Well, that's why I put him. I put in the city the other day. I was like, did anyone look up Ruby Soho by rancid after um, after this? And I wonder how many. I wonder how it really boosted up. Excuse me, Rancid's numbers. And um, I think I got maybe like one hit on that fucking post because nobody <laughs> knows who the fuck Rancid is. Yeah. But um, either way, definitely, guys, when you guys get the time, look up Rancid, man. Really great, um, really great band. They do a lot of cool uh, little pop punk stuff. And uh, I'm a big fan. So, yeah, yeah, check them out. Well, Free good stuff there. here. Well, we're moving right along here. All Out is, is moving right along. And next we have the career-threatening match for Chris Jericho as he finally gets to his last labor of Jericho and he finally gets his, his much-anticipated showdown against MJF. I started us off with the – did I start? No, I, I'll let you start us off with the casino battle roll. I'll get into the MJF Jericho match, and then I'll let you – Hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it. It started from the entrances, man. Uh, MJF trolling Jericho <laughs> in his entrance with the countdown, and then that it said great. Jericho's last match. I mean, it was – Top-notch heel work, and we talked about uh, MJ off in the show as, as being quite possibly the best heel in the business. It was no different here. 
Uh, Jericho tried to have his own special entrance with the guitarist from Fozzy. Uh, it, it started off okay, and then it, I, I don't know if he couldn't hear himself or if the, the crowd was just too loud, but the, the, the guitar just kind of fizzled out and did not sound good. Uh, and, and you can even kind of see it in Jericho's face when he got in the ring that it was, okay, let's get this match started because this is awful. Um, I mentioned it a second ago, based on the entrance alone, MJ is the best heel in the business. Uh, I even wrote down your favorite phrase. It was such good shit. All throughout such the match. good shit. God, uh, there was a match where, where he was setting up Jericho for a suplex and he used Jericho's arm to, um, how can we say this without being crude? Uh, pleasure MJF, uh, you know, kind of make the gesture <laughs> of it. Uh, let's call it shake weight. Uh, there you go. That's better. Um, to, to mimic a shake weight here, uh, MJF would try an asai, uh, what do you call it? An, an asai moonsault mm-hmm. uh, that wouldn't connect on the outside, that it would eventually turn into a power bomb, to, like an apron power bomb. Um, he would he would do a couple more hip gyrations throughout the match. I mean, MJF was just really playing the crowd. He went outside when the match started and ripped up a sign. He wiped his ass with Jericho's vest. Really good stuff here. And the match itself was really was really uh, was really fun. There was a false finish where MJF got the pin. Jericho's foot hit the bottom rope, but the three count hit, and MJF got it to celebrate. And another and another official on the outside who had. Tried to break up uh, Jake Hager, and I can't think of the guy's name, and that's that's on me. The guy that comes that, out. Uh, uh, Wardlow. Wardlow, thank you. Wardlow came out to interfere, and Jake Hager came to stop him. So another official happened to be ringside to try to break that up and to keep it from entering the ring. Was able to go to the, the official referee and say, hey, no, his foot was on the ropes. So the match would restart. It was a nice little, nice little moment, um, a nice little, you know, Swerve here is not something we see on a regular basis, and you shouldn't see it on a regular basis because that would kind of, you know, take away from the the speciality to it. Uh, I was upsetting. I, Jericho would, would would finish the match with a win with as well as a Jericho. He did try to step out and give it the little lion tamer tweak where he would put like one knee on the on his opponent's like back to really get some twerk to it. And, uh, and it, I didn't feel like he could physically do it because he tried and immediately stepped back into it. And that's when MJF would, MJF would tap out. Uh, but in, in general, these two guys put on a great show and told a great story here. I gave this match three and a half stars. PJ, what do you have to add about MJF and Chris Jericho? Yeah, I really did enjoy this match. Uh, I, you know, it, it didn't go too long, you know, 21 minutes, 15 seconds. I think it told a good story. I think I, everyone was really about ready for this to really end anyway. When MJF hit him with a Judas effect and got the cover one, two, three, of course, when Jericho's foot on the rock, I was like, no way he's beating him with his own fucking move, man. And I was like, God damn, they're really pushing heat on this fucker. Uh, you know, but and then of course we get the dusty finish, which is exactly what that was. Uh, I enjoyed the match. A lot of great spots. We finally get the payoff to this. Um, I actually might have thought Jericho was losing. And I'll tell you why, because Jericho, because Fozzie's going on tour here shortly. And I was like, okay, he's going to lose so he can go on tour. But I keep forgetting that Jericho can do anything and everything. So uh, we get Jericho defeating MJF in a, uh, in a submission match. Good match. You know, not the best on the card, but I think it still racks up there, man. It's, it, it was a good finish. 
Yeah, great, great way for for this. Uh, let's call it this this rivalry to sort of culminate here at all out. I'm sure we haven't seen the last of the Pinnacle and uh, the why can't I say the name of their of of Jericho's faction, uh, the Inner Circle. Oh, inner, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get some more of that here. Um, we will probably get another MJF and Jericho somewhere down the line. Uh, but if you haven't been paying attention, uh, I talk about him being the best heel in the business. MJF has moved on to Brian Pillman Jr. And he has cut some absolutely horrid promos about Brian Pillman, his family. This past week on Dynamite, PJ, if you missed it, he said, I'm going to speak to the late, great Brian Pillman and looked up in the sky to talk to Brian Pillman in heaven. And he said, who am I kidding? And immediately looked at, looked at the, the, the mat of the ring and started talking down. <sighs> I'm telling you, dude. MJF and, and, and you know, we, there was I, I can't think of the guy who got suspended for doing that little rap in which he, he made fun of uh, Simone Biles that wasn't approved. This stuff has to be going through not only Brian Pillman Jr., but it has to be going through Tony Khan and everybody at AEW. So this stuff is is intended to be uncomfortable to get MJF that real like fuck you heat. Um, and it's working because MJ, I mean. Some of the stuff that I mean, he called uh, he, he called Brian Pillman Jr.'s uh, mom. Uh, I don't know if he called her a crack whore or whatever the case is. But I'm yeah, telling he you. called her uh, methany. methany. Yeah, methany. That's it. So it's um, it's it's pretty it's pretty vile, but it, it goes to show that they're moving on from the Jericho MJF thing, at least for the time being. And he's not slowing down doing that heel shtick that only MJF can do. Sarcasm. Podcasts. Would life be fun without them? <laughs> Don't answer that. But do join hosts Ashley D and Fousey B as they give you a sarcastic view on everything in life from situationships to asshole algorithms to the question, are your friends obligated to support you? Mm, that's a good one. Coming from two different cultures, these two bring the juice with all the pulp. Go to PardonMySarcasm.com to catch up on the fun. Like right now. What's the holdup? But here at All Out, moving right along here after the Jericho MJF match, we get a returning CM Punk taking on Darby Allin. Uh, PJ, why don't you start us off here? How'd you feel about the CM Punk Darby Allen match here? Uh, I wouldn't call it should have been the penultimate match on the card, but we'll get to it here in a second. Another PBO right after this one. But again, CM Punk Darby Allen, PJ, your thoughts? Oh man, um, this told the best story of the night. Like, yeah, we had a great tag team match, but that did that was great action, great athleticism. This just told a fantastic story. Um, 16 minutes and 40 seconds here. They get plenty of time. They got perfect amount of time. What too long? This crowd was red hot for this match. Um, God, in fairness, wouldn't... they're in. They're essentially in Chicago, and it's Chicago made punk. If nobody knew what CM stood for, uh, Chicago made punk. CM Punk from Chicago. 
you're gonna have. You know, I didn't know that. I did not know that. Oh. That, that it stood for Chicago, Maine. Well, you're welcome for teaching you something here. We always learn something new every day, especially listening. To we do. I thought I thought it stood for uh, I thought it stood for cupcake manners. Uh, I mean, it could have been like Cuckman. Like if we, if we want to uh, go listen there, to you, listen to you, Cuckman. <laughs> hey man, for AJ Lee, I bet I would be. Uh, uh, anyway, so, <laughs> let's get so, back on track here. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, but yeah, you could say. I mean, like this, this match could have been in Antarctica, and like the 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 match still would have been red hot. It would have been enough to warm up that glacier for hours. Um, Everyone was excited for this match. You know, um, Puck nearly called Allen in position with to go to sleep, which made the crowd go insane. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, Allen. Uh, this this is a great move here. Allen hits Punk with a, uh, a flip over stunner. Good stuff there. Um, great spots here, but they just tell, told such a, just a fantastic story. Uh, Darvin Allen goes for a coffin slide, but Punk sits up and smiles to avoid the move. Just good stuff there uh reverses the uh, gts to a last supper for a near fall um you know punk hits a second gts gets the win uh it was a you know what it was one of the the coolest and most fluid professional wrestling matches that i've seen in a while there was no gaga there was no bullshit it was just a really good professional wrestling match with you know, it wasn't a whole lot of um, false finishes, um, and it and it definitely showed that Punk still has plenty of time and plenty of energy left in that ring. So I really enjoyed this match. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how well documented it is on the show. I'm the not I'm not the biggest fan of of Phil Brooks, aka uh, CM Punk. Um, and by and by the way, I'm not either. You know, like yeah, it's a yeah, it's a we pretty big deal. It show, it's a big like, deal that he's here, but I, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm, you know, I, I will mention it's it's nice to see the crowd interaction. The crowd like the crowd loves him wherever he goes. The crowd loves him, so you can't hate on that. Um, I, I I'll just go through my notes here. Seeing him in pants or you know pants uh, was a little weird. We we always seen him in like the uh, the speedo trunks. Here we see him in the tights. Uh, I thought it was weird. You know, I like to talk about about ring gear. Um, it was pretty well documented, but there was a sequence in this match that was a direct throwback to a match between the one, two, three kid and Bret Hart, uh, which was a little, it was fun to go and see them side by side and see how they, they went through the sequence almost verbatim here. Um, there was a whip, uh, you may have mentioned it, uh, Darby Allen went between the top and middle ropes when, uh, CM Punk was whipping him to the ropes. And I mean, it's like, he, he didn't even touch one of the ropes and hit, hit the ring post dead on. It was, it was one of the damnedest spots I've ever seen, and I felt that it was completely unnecessary. Um, it was also that the GTS where Darby was hit with the, the, the first GTS and went through the, the bottom and middle rope. Uh, it could have been ugly, but he's apparently – he knows how to land. So uh, good on him, and he was able to get back into the ring after the nine count. Um, you know, I said some – you and I both mentioned that we're not big fans of Eddie Kingston. This is probably the most unpopular opinion that I have. I officially <laughs> oh, don't get Darby I'm, Allen. I'm, I'm ready for the, Oh my God. I'm ready for this. What? I officially don't get Darby Allen. I you know. Don't get him. I know he takes a bunch of risks. I get his gimmick. He's this like punk goth skater guy. He paints half of his face. 
Uh, he tries to be mysterious, and that's why he's got Sting with him now here in AEW. Uh, but he, you know, at the end of the day, Darby Allen is a cruiserweight, and he is no Rey Mysterio. Uh, he puts his body to me. He is he is a cruiserweight Mick Foley. If we want to really be that way, he puts himself in undue harm's way. I don't feel like he's going to have a very long career post what he's doing right now. Um, and I don't know. He just, you know, I don't want to be that guy again. Who am I? I'm, I'm a, I, I, I guess you could call me a podcast host. Uh, I've only been in a wrestling ring maybe two or three times, hitting the ropes, trying to take bumps and stuff like that. And, you know, whether or not I could have done it long term is, is neither here nor there. Uh, but I'm not doing it now. Like, let's make that very clear. So I could not do 99.99% of the things that Darby Allen does in a ring. I'm going to get that out right now. However, he does not look the part, in my opinion. It's almost, and again, we talk about, you know, we talked about the best friends and we talk about, or, and we talk about Jurassic Express and Marco Stunt. Darby Allen reminds me of a taller and maybe more physically gifted Marco Stunt. Uh, you know, a matter of fact, I think the best, and this, this just came to me, the best comparison I can make to Darby Allen is Spike Dudley. He doesn't, he just doesn't. Oh my look, God. He just doesn't look like a professional wrestler. I can't, I can't believe you just threw that in there. And, uh, Spike you know, Dudley. I, I like, I like his finish. I like the coffin drop. It's, uh, it's unpredictable because it, you know, anything can happen and in this match. He did the coffin drop and, uh, CM Punk sat up like the undertaker, uh, so that he would just miss it. But again, if he's a, a few inches off that, I mean, he could, that could have wound up really bad. Uh, because he's, he's, you know, a coffin drop. He's basically a trust fall off the top rope. Um, you know, b- before we get back into Darby Allen, I, I wrote down, I was a predictable finish. You're not going to have CM Punk come back and lose in his debut match, especially specifically to Darby Allen. I gave this match four stars, but again, uh, I, I don't want to dwell on it too long because we still have two matches left to go over, but I knew it was going to be a really unpopular opinion. And anybody that listens to the show might have some really nasty things to say to me. And that's okay because we're not all going to be on the same page, but I just don't get Darby Allen. I mean, maybe you can help me understand a little more, but I just don't get it, dude. I I don't know how else to put it. Okay. So Darby Allen to me is exactly what a pro wrestler, exactly what a pro, pro wrestler should be. He is 28 right now. He's he's five foot whatever, like, uh, like five foot home. one, like five foot five, three maybe. He, he's he's five. Let me get it right. I feel like I'm taller than him, and I'm only he's five, five. He's five. He's five foot eight. Okay, so I'm five foot eight on a good day. So we're the same height. Okay, he, same height. He's twenty eight years old. Motherfucker was homeless before joining AEW. Was he really? Homeless. Yes, he had a, a straight age lifestyle. By the way, he wasn't. Um, you know, Straight edge, kind of like CM Punk's gimmick in WWE, no drinking, yeah, no, no drugs, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, but uh, not at 28. CM Punk later on found that and made it one of his gimmicks, which I don't agree. I think that's silly. Darby Allen doesn't have that as his gimmick, as him being like, 
Um, this is just who Darby Allen is. Yeah. So yeah, Darby Allen's always been that way. Um, he he is, and I totally agree with you that he is very much like Mick Foley. Um, which let me ask you, is that a bad thing? Uh, I mean, it's not a I mean, bad I, thing in a sense I, of like I, I feel I feel like the the same conversation happened years ago and slambery 93 look at that guy he's just throwing himself into the stairs and the table yeah. he'll never be a world champion fast forward years later and you have a whole crowd hot as fuck to see him become the first become a, a champion on monday night raw defeating the rock in 99 i think that darby allen is like jungle boy gonna be one of the futures and you talk about his size i mean yeah he's no ray mysterio but he's a daredevil Shawn michaels I mean, Jesus Christ, the kid is 28 doing things that Shawn Michaels probably didn't even dream of doing at the age of 28. Um, I'm not comparing him to Shawn Michaels as saying that he's got the talent of Shawn Michaels, and that's not a dig on Shawn Michaels, big fan of Shawn Michaels. But it gets to the point where you, uh, you know, obviously times have changed, and Darby Allen is that guy to help push in that change. You know, uh, these, 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 you know, the, the, cliche of uh well i don't know if the the cruiserweight can get it done no one thought ray mysterio was going to be a world champion either i know you say he's no ray mysterio but um ray mysterio sure is shorter than him yeah uh i mean you make some valid points and maybe he'll eventually let's say maybe he'll eventually grow on me uh, but for right he's, now, he's got like, a, he's got a, he's got to grow somehow because he's only five foot eight. Well, I listen. I can appreciate the fans enjoying uh, Darby Allen the same way I can I can appreciate the fans enjoying CM Punk. Uh, but for me personally, uh, again, I I knew it was going to be an unpopular opinion, and you know maybe he can uh, maybe he can eventually be that guy. But I just I see him being. MJF likes to use the term mid. I see him being mid and mid card uh, for quite some time. He's already a former TNT champion. He lost the, the title to Miro, who has, has been champion ever since. Uh, so I, I, I feel like there's, there's, there's opportunities for him. But could you realistically see Darby Allen beating a guy like Kenny Omega for the, for the AEW championship or – even a Christian Cage for the honestly, Impact World Championship, like honestly, if I could see Christian Cage beating Kenny Omega, I could see Doink the Clown defeating Kenny Omega for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, and that is a true fact. Um, I I could see Darby Allen winning that because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, all you need is those three seconds. And I know I'm, I'm I know I'm half cutting a promo here, but all you need is those three seconds. You get a roll up on Kenny Omega. See, that's the thing. You can get. Uh, no one thought that I would see uh, uh, Rey Mysterio defeat Randy Orton and uh, Kurt Angle at a WrestleMania. You know, you wouldn't think that you would see. Hell, Eugene has a fucking pinfall victory over Triple H, right? Yeah, that's that's fair. Eugene. I mean, uh, we could do a whole podcast on Eugene and how that should have never happened and and how. Yeah, I mean, uh, because it's a, yeah. offensive and it's ridiculous. It's silly, oh. but I, I could say, you know, I could. I'm not. I'm not going to say Darby Allen should win the title tomorrow, but. This, this whole, um, this whole sequence that they're doing with Sting taking Darby under his wing and and things like that and molding him into a great champion, 
I think that's what's going to work for Darby. If it was Darby on his own, I'd say, you know, maybe it's a little, and not, I'm not saying that because Sting is my favorite wrestler of all time, pretty much. And, um, but no, I'm saying that because I, it could be with any, any little um, uh, mentor, but well, this particular thing that they're doing is just so good. And it's building up to something even bigger. I think like we're going to get Darby on finding when that title celebrating with the man, the icon sting it's he's come this long way, finally trained. He's just an underdog waiting to get his belt. That's all. Yeah, it but is. How can he be an underdog when he doesn't lose the majority of his matches? I think the only, I've only seen him really lose two matches and it was to the, to lose to CM Punk here and the TNT championship. I think, uh, I think for me, one of the one of the first thing he has to do, and then we'll move on, is uh, to get rid of the skateboard. He doesn't need a skateboard. Sting didn't come to the ring on the skateboard. Sting was propelled down until the Owen Hart incident, and out of respect, he stopped doing it. But you know, uh, he's- well, well, I mean, you said well. Uh, the next argument to that is, well, you don't want to take away his his personality. He Sting also didn't give him a baseball bat. You know, I mean, like, you know, Dar- Darby Allen, it's the same thing when you go to, um, uh, uh, you tell you, talk, think about mentors, Ric Flair didn't give Triple H a robe. Triple H, uh, still, had his yeah. water, Triple, Triple H still had his water bottle. By the way, Darby Allen's win-loss record is, is 38 wins, 17 losses. That's hard to believe. Oh, that's weird. Well, nevertheless, um, find me on Twitter at Tapouts and, and TDs and tell me how much of a dumbass i am for not liking darby allen i'm gonna uh, make a i'm gonna make a fucking twitter and <laughs> and listen and comment and tell you that come for they, me because nobody comes to my twitter i just got one new follower this week and it's because i i was like hey follow me on twitter it's like okay okay followed you you know so yeah again i'm, I'm i asked for it like come come and tell me why i'm i'm such a, a dipshit and now he's gonna hear this ridiculous shit and unfollow your ass no he's i'm nah anyway uh, let's move along here. Let's keep us moving here. My PBO number two of the night should not have even been on the card. If we want to talk about a, car, a match that should have been on the pre-show, it's this one. We get former, formerly known as the Big Show. We get Paul White versus QT Marshall. Uh, <sighs> dude, I didn't. I'll be honest with you. I didn't write any notes for this match. Uh, I didn't either. I, I wrote Big Show has no business in a ring anymore. The poor guy can't walk right. Uh, I love Big Show. I've been a fan. I mean, he's from South Carolina. I've been a fan of his since they were throwing him off a building in Halloween Havoc in 1996. Um, so I'm a big fan of Paul White. But unfortunately, his his time has come and gone. And I don't think we have any business seeing him in a wrestling ring. I gave this match half a star. It didn't belong in the show. I know they needed a break between CM Punk and the main event. Uh, but here again, uh, this mismatch didn't belong on the card. You got anything to add, or can we just move on to the main event here? Uh, yeah, let's move on. I think even before this match, QT Marshall is uh, – I don't get him at all. He's a terrible worker, and I'm not into it. Um, and Mr. Paul White, stay at commentary. Move on. All right. We are, we are here. We are to the main event. Uh, we saw Christian Cage defeat Kenny Omega a few weeks ago on – uh, rampage to win the impact world championship and now he attempts to take the aew world championship off of kenny omega kenny omega versus christian cage for the aew world heavyweight championship uh pj i'm gonna let you start us off here because we have some big surprises at the culmination of this match how'd you feel about the match itself i gave this match three and a half stars 
it was uh, it was huge. It was high impact. It was it was uh, there's a lot of uh, decent spots here. PJ, uh, give us your thoughts on Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. Um, yeah, <laughs> let's get to it. This match was really great. Uh, it went 21 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, I did really enjoy it. Told a great story. Still not a huge Christian Cage fan. You know, a lot of people will shit on me for that. You know, uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a good, he's a good, he's a good worker. Uh, Kenny Omega is of course your number one PWI uh, top top 500 for a good reason. And this match just proves it again. Um, great match here. Uh, he goes for a one winged angel. He is an Omega pronouns uh, one winged angel. Uh, Christian Cage manages to escape, puts him in a clover leaf, which is great. Omega grabs the hair to escape. Cage is a reverse DDT for a near fall, but then he fires back with a V trigger. Omega does a Snapdragon suplex. Every time I see a Snapdragon suplex, I'm like, geez, man, that's going to break your fucking neck. I love watching it though, man. Uh, we got a table set up here. We have another clover leaf with the Good Brothers run into the ring to force Cage to fight. Um, and then we get a countering one wing able into a kill switch for the near fall. I really thought that was it. Don Callis is going to run to the ring to distract Cage. We get more Gaga here. I don't think it needed so much Gaga, but you really needed, I guess, um, Omega to really go over here. And we get a top rope kill switch into an avalanche, one winged angel. Uh, and we get your winner, Kenny Omega, who is your, who's still your AEW champion. Great match here. Um, I think Kenny, I think Christian Cage was, uh, these guys actually have really good chemistry too, by the way. Uh, I was really impressed with that. And they told a really good story and the psychology was there. I, I could have used less Gaga and I could have used less Christian Cage. Uh, <laughs> match, match was great though. Yeah. They, uh, early in the match, they had an interesting way to break the cage. They put the cage on top of Christian Cage. Let me start that over. They put the table on top of Christian Cage. I was wondering what you were getting at to there, but yep. you know, I was, yep. gonna, I was going to with it. Um, and Kenny Omega would jump onto the table, breaking it on Christian. That was a, a different way to break a table. Um, and then you would see later in the match, uh, Christian would spear Kenny Omega through the table and, uh, it would slice Christian open, uh, for whatever reason. I don't know if they didn't have the table gimmick, right. Uh, but the, the metal poles would stick to the table and slice Christian open. Um, I tell you what, I don't, I maybe, I, I don't know if it's called the kill switch. Now I call it the unprettier. Kenny Omega sells the shit out of that move. Uh, mm -hmm. The first, when he lost the Impact Championship to Kirsten Cage, he took it on a chair and he landed on his forehead on that chair. He landed on his forehead on this on the mat here um, when he sold that 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 finish by Christian that wasn't the finish, and then that top rope one winged angel finishes the match, uh, sort of. You know, a spot of the night nominee, but nothing nothing beats what we saw in that tag team match. Um, this this top rope one winged angel was impressive, especially considering Christian's uh, concussion uh, history. You know, you didn't you didn't want to see him taking any chances, but here we are. Uh, but this is where the show really gets interesting. Uh, I'll let you give us the first surprise uh, because after the match, we see a beat down. Uh, the, you see the elite come out and, and decide to continue the beat down on, on Christian cage and PJ, why don't you tell us what happens next? And then I'll give us uh, I'll give us the, the, the final surprise here. Uh, but, but why don't you go ahead and fill in the audience on what happens after the beat down of Christian cage? We get the debut 
of Mr. Adam Cole, baby. Baby! Who I just want to throw out uh, is five foot eleven, and Darby Allen's five foot eight. Uh, anyway, um, so moving on, but we get the debut of Adam and Adam Cole's a former NXT champion. Uh, Adam yeah, Cole made made his debut. <laughs> I say I, I get it, dude. All right, moving on. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna shit on you. Anyway, so Adam Cole uh, makes his debut in AEW. Great stuff here because we have the uh, when they were the Mount Rushmore wrestling, and it was Kevin Steen, Adam Cole, and of course the Young Bucks. Now we have three fourths of that right here, and now of course with Kenny Omega, the Good Brothers, you pretty much have an elite Bullet Club reunion right there. And it's fantastic to see. So Cole comes out. They look like they're gonna they're gonna go at it. Of course, Cole hits Jungle Boy with a super kick, celebrates with the elite, cuts a small promo, and then right when we get Omega about to close out the show, yeah, Mr. Rye, what happens? So we should mention before I move on to what happens as Kenny Omega tries to close out the show that uh, when Adam Cole made his move from New Japan to NXT. Uh, the Bullet Club, uh, not headed by the Young Bucks, but but the the breakup by the Young Bucks, so to speak, would uh, would would essentially send Adam Cole out of New Japan uh, in a very violent fashion. Yes. Uh, they they have a YouTube channel, I believe, or a YouTube show called Being the Elite, uh, where essentially Adam they 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 killed Adam Cole. And so you see Adam Cole come into the ring. He's like, do you think I forgot what you did to me? And then he psyched him out. Like you said, he super kicked Jungle Boy. And he said, what are you talking about? These guys are my best friends. And that's where you get Kenny Omega coming in to close out the show, to bid you adieu, la da 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 And you hear some music that uh, we are accustomed to hearing, uh, just not necessarily in AEW. And we get the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan has now made his AEW debut to confront the elite and Kenny Omega. What a moment this was. We talk about the surprises in this show. You think about the people that we've seen in the show, Minoru Suzuki, Ruby Soho, and in the main event, we get Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan. Uh, I mean, I don't understand how the roof is still on this building. Like, the pops in this show were absolutely astounding. Uh, Brian Danielson is uh, tied up there right now with AJ Styles for my two best wrestlers in the world, my two favorite wrestlers in the world right now. So to see him join AEW in this moment uh, and put himself right in the main event, which is where he belonged, uh, you know, we could have an, a whole another show about about what Daniel Bryan did in WWE, uh, having forcing the hand of Vince McMahon to change his plans for WrestleMania and having quite arguably the biggest WrestleMania moment, at least in the last 10 to 20 years. So now you get this guy that WWE sort of let go by the wayside and quietly let his contract expire. I say quietly in a sense that he lost one last match with Roman Reigns and then it wasn't spoken about afterwards. Right. And, so and now, you know, it's it's crazy that you say that. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have to mention this, and I'll let you finish. You know, Brian Danielson did all of that while being five foot nine. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you know, it's you just know so crazy. Anyway, I'll let you finish. I swear to God. All right, <laughs> we're gonna do a fucking Goldberg show one of these days, and you're gonna have to oh, sit through yeah. and listen to all of Goldberg's greatest greatest hits and kicks. 
Um, greatest hits and kicks. You mean like the? Never mind. I'll like keep the, going. The 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 kick that ended Bret Hart's career. Yeah, we'll go there. Yeah, that that kick. Yeah, we, we could do that. Uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, um, I mean, uh, Brian Danielson uh, is at one time and and quite arguably still could be uh, next to CM Punk the biggest baby face in all of professional wrestling. Uh, you know, it, it's clear that he doesn't want to do the yes chant. I don't know if it's a, if it's a copyright to WWE, but you can tell he's not doing it. Uh, he, 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 I don't know if he doesn't want to do whatever the case is, but the crowd will not forget what he and who he is. And so we're going to get to see some, some dream matchups here in AEW for as long as he is signed. And, He's right where he belongs, right in the main event picture with Kenny Omega. Uh, they're they're setting up, I believe, uh, maybe their next big show. Um, they are. They, they set it up on Dynamite this past week uh, that he's going to get a match with Kenny Omega, a non-title match. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we're getting to see, you know, again, some some really big surprise. And you can call them surprises. You don't have to call them surprises if you don't want to. Uh, but some really big debuts here in All Out. They went all out, pun intended, uh, to get the reaction of the crowd that they wanted to, um, and, and they succeeded. Uh, so the, the show would go off the air is, is Daniel Bryanson, Daniel, Daniel Bryanson, Brian Danielson, and uh, the, uh, the Luchasaurus and, and Jurassic Express, I should say, uh, finally get it back and, and take the ring back from the elite. And that's how All Out would go off the air. PJ Steven, give us your final thoughts on what was All Out 2021. I thought this pay-per-view was indeed one of the best of this decade, probably the best. Um, I'm thinking maybe besides <laughs> uh, – did I say decade? I meant this year. I'm so sorry. It's, <laughs> it's very okay. Late. It's no, very it's late okay. right now. I mean, We're recording listen. this at, at 11 at night. Uh, anyway, no, it has been the best pay-per-view of this year, maybe besides Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. Um, this pay-per-view was insane. I do think they put all their eggs in one basket a little bit, but you know, I don't think it hurt. I think it was just fantastic. It was a fucking tremendous event. Great night for talent, and it was a great night for pro wrestling, and um, they deserve the, the talent, all the uh, behind-the-scenes, they all deserve – Great praise. It was fantastic. Yeah, I think uh, to your point that they put all their eggs in one basket, I think uh, there's still some more to come. Uh, we know that Bray Wyatt has been released from WWE. We know that Braun Strowman may, may show up and, and impact at some point. Uh, there, there are things uh, that can still come. I think one of the reasons why they go so, so shocking and, and so heavy with these pay-per-views is because unlike WWE that has some, you know, one pay-per-view, sometimes two pay-per-views a month, uh, AEW's only got maybe four a year. I mean, you get all in, you right. get all out. Uh, there's a couple more that they do. But nevertheless, um, you know, these shows can be bigger, you know, because like WWE in years past, when they only had the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, and SummerSlam, they didn't have all the in your houses in between. They would eventually turn into like the Armageddon's and the Bash at the Beach once they would buy WCW and so on and so forth. You know, WWE has a has a big pay per view show. You know, once a month, AEW is going to go all out again, pun intended. 
with uh, with their limited number of pay-per-views. And then you're going to get some more surprises on on the weekly television shows. Again, CM Punk debuted on AEW Rampage on a on a one hour TV show airing on TNT free free cable television. You get to see the debut of CM Punk. So having said all that, uh, you mentioned that this is probably the best pay-per-view of the year. I think from uh, from a match standpoint, they had some of the best matches of the year on this pay-per-view, including what should be the match of the year in general is the, in the tag team championship match. And then from the from the the shock and all the surprise debut standpoint, it's something that we don't get from WWE. And I mentioned this earlier in the show. It's something we don't get with eight, with WWE anymore because most what good w- content. Say that again. Good content. Well, no, I just meant like in a sense of like you don't get you don't get the shock value because you don't get you don't get any surprises with WWE because they're a publicly traded company. We know when someone is getting signed before they get, you know, before they debut or they start off at NXT and then all of a sudden they debut on the main roster. We don't get that moment where all of a sudden Bray Wyatt reemerges uh, from from injury or. AJ Styles debuts at the Royal Rumble. We don't get that sort of thing. I think, matter of fact, maybe beyond the AJ Styles, the Hardy Boys at WrestleMania in Orlando a few years ago might have been the next best surprise. But even then, we all knew their contract with Ring of Honor was coming up. I I believe that weekend they had their final match with the Young Bucks. So it was well understood that they could make their appearance. So Although they got the pop and they got the big surprise return and they won the tag team titles in that ladder match at WrestleMania, it's not like getting an Adam Cole, Ruby Soho, Daniel Bryan, Minoru Suzuki that AEW did in All Out. Uh, you know, and we could go on and on about how you know the mirroring of AEW to WCW as far as you know WCW was able to pull big stars like Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, and you know. Big Bubba Rogers, Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude, all these stars from WWE that at one point started uh, in the Davy Crockett era uh, with, with WCW and world-class championship wrestling. Um, but nevertheless, not since then have we seen really, really big stars. And I'm, got, I'm talking guys that are super over, that are immediately going to get eyes like me drawn into watching AEW on a weekly basis until all out and i think based on that alone this is probably like you said the pay-per-view of the year uh because it immediately not that aew was irrelevant before because we we had you know last week on our episode we talked about the status of aew and and why you should be watching but this pay-per-view was a prime example of why you should be watching aew and I mean, I've got a I've got a friend. Uh, he does my my Frick's picks on my on my football shows. Matt Buck texted me uh, last Wednesday for AEW Dynamite. Uh, shout out to Matt Buck, and said there's something about AEW. It's just really exciting to watch. I really love watching it. This pay per view is a prime example of that. And if you don't watch anything else AEW this this year, you should probably go out of your way and find this pay per view and, and and give it a shot because it's uh it's something else. Um, I agree. I agree. And, you know, the biggest thing, too, that I'll agree with is that, you know, we're seeing we're seeing really good wrestling. And, you know, we're seeing really good pro wrestling and we're not seeing the sports entertainment right now. We're seeing really good wrestling. 
and and it's for the most part it's fucking free um you know so i don't i totally agree that this that this this was the thing that you should watch if you're going to watch anything and this set a good precedent for what's to come with AEW um to the naysayers that think that AEW is not competition for the e man you got to wake up man yep but at wake the end up of the day, or or continue to be the negative, negative Nelly, or negative Nancy, or the negative Nathan, whatever you want to call yourselves. Those uh, you damn can, Nancys. You I, can, we, sh- we should bring back, I guess it's not the, the nicest thing to say anymore. We should bring back the insult Nancy boy. Nancy boy is a good insult. I don't know if that's politically correct anymore. I, th- I, think, well, about, I think about the Murphy movie Clerks too. And oh, that, yeah. that insult that they tried to, no, we're, it's cool. We're taking it back. We're uh, taking we it back. We're not going to say that on this show because uh, I might actually get death threats and I might get canceled. But um, that was a that was an interesting take. So I don't think Nancy Boy would would be able to work unless you're you're somebody like MJF. You're not going to get it. You're not going to you'll get canceled for not liking Darby Allen before you get canceled for Clerks 2 quote. But uh, yeah, Nancy Boy. Nancy Boy is funny. But anyway, no, no, no. But for real, though, we have to stop with this competition. And I know I just. I'm contradicting myself talking about, you know, competition uh, with AEW or with WWE. But at the end of the day, guys, we got, we got to stop this whole, um, which one's better, which one's better. This, this, these guys beat these guys this month and this blah, blah, blah. You know, the numbers, the ratings, that shit doesn't matter to me. And I know it matters to them because I know it matters to them as in the companies, because that's what drives their fucking wallets. But us as fans, man, who gives a fuck? We're having great wrestling right now. We're having terrific content right now on all fronts. Like, yeah, sometimes it's better than the other one, but whatever. Um, just enjoy it, man. Just enjoy it. Yeah, to your point, enjoy what you like to enjoy. Watch what you like to watch. And let others do the same. There's no reason in, in talking shit uh, to, to people because of what they watch. Like, you don't get shit talked for, you know, as a football fan. Nobody's going to shit talk you because you watch the NFL or nobody's going to shit talk you because you watch college football. Don't shit talk somebody because they watch AEW or, or enjoy WWE more. Uh, just let them enjoy what they want to enjoy and quit being a dick about it. I think that's, that's the best way to sum up uh, people who want to continue to hate on AEW. Uh, but that was, that was all out. We hope you enjoyed the show. PJ Steven, you got anything to plug for your band, anything coming up in the near future? Well, actually, yeah. I mean, uh, not not a whole hell of a lot. We did get it. Uh, we finally got our, ourselves a new bass player that I'm excited for. I'm not going to reveal who it is yet. Um, but we we play a lot of shows in October. I just booked a couple of shows for November and December. So we've got a really strong end of the year. Uh, a lot of shows to finish out the year with. Um, very, very excited for it. And uh, yeah, if you guys could uh, follow us on uh, Guardians Warlock, our band camp as well. Uh, all the money that we get uh, this month from our merch is going to go straight to Dorchester Pauls, which is a, uh, uh, excuse me, a charity down here that helps um, um, helps dogs and cats, obviously, in shelters and provides them with food and provides them with um, it provides them with, uh, you know, homes, homes to be in. And uh, they're forever homes is what I'm trying to say. So all, all of our money is going straight to uh, animal societies and things like that right here in the area. So we're trying to help out local animals. And uh, yeah, so check out our band camp, band camp Guardians Warlock. You guys can order stickers, shirts, patches, all that stuff there. And we would really appreciate it. Really good stuff, PJ. Thank you once again for being on the show this week. 
coming up Thursday, we've got some more fantasy football discussion, some some more bully buys and sells. Uh, and, and again, it's really good football talk. Might have a special guest, who knows, uh, for our fantasy football or our football Thursdays coming up next. Uh, but again, that's been our show for this evening. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. And next week, I, I should mention, we've got, we're going to finally do our, our watch along that was requested of us. So stay tuned for that. Uh, PJ, Steven, and I will be recording that very soon. Uh, but for tonight, we're running out of time. So for PJ, Steven, it's your guy, Bully Rye, and we'll see you next time right here on Tap House and Touchdowns.